after a hard and dangerous mission when Han and Leia made it back to the Falcon, surprisingly in one piece. After making their daring escape, Han took a sigh of relief and put the Falcon on autopilot. What were you thinking back there, blaster brain? You could have gotten us killed, Princess Leia scolded. Well, excuse me, princess. If I remember correctly, we're both still alive now, aren't we? Leia slapped him at that. Idiot, if you had gotten hurt, I... Oh, never mind. Aw, oh, you do care about me, he said with an annoying smirk. Oh, shut up, she blushed. Han smiled and kissed her. Love you too, princess. It didn't take long for the two of them to end up wrestling on the floor of the falcon. Leia pinned him down with a smirk to rival even Han's, even Han's most confident grin. Ready for a good time, Blaster Brain? He smirked and nodded. The two suddenly turned toward the, towards the door and shouted, Hey, Chewie! <laughs> you see, son, when a man and a woman love each other very much, they get a Wookiee. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Legend of the New Republic. I'm Jay, a.k.a. SharkRay24 here, your favorite girl, even if I'm not best girl. Today, we are doing a wrap-up episode on Truce at Bakura. So, uh, obviously, there was nothing else to read. We finished the book last week. So, we're just going to go go around, give our final thoughts about the book as a whole, and, you know... How, how we think we're going to go from there as a podcast. I'm going to turn it over to our first speaker, David. Hey, everybody. Uh, so like Jay said, we're done with Truce at Bakura. Uh, very excited to have gotten through the first book of our uh, podcast. And uh, we're just going to go through and really this episode is just about saying goodbye to Truce at Bakura and giving overall impressions and sort of not tied to any one specific chapter, just talking about things we liked, didn't like, etc., uh, and what we thought about it. So uh, I guess I am going first. <laughs> so overall, uh, I thought Truce at Bakura, especially um, for a book written as early into the Legends canon as it was, did a pretty good job of characterizing the main characters of Star Wars. Um, we managed to crime in not only the whole uh, main cast, minus Lando, I think, um, he didn't really appear. There was like a brief thing with uh, Lando in the beginning, I believe, but I could be wrong about that because it's been a while since we read those chapters. Uh, but other than Lando, we got the whole cast in uh, and they were all mostly well characterized. I think Luke was probably the only one that I felt had a weaker characterization. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed reading this book. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I feel like... My only real quibble with it is that it sort of exists in this weird bubble where it's like before they get to Bakura, you know, Luke has uh, things on his mind related to Endor. So does Leia and Han. Uh, all of their character development from the movie is continuing. Luke's remembering Darth Vader. He's, you know, he's still dealing with the effects of the Force lightning. And then as soon as everyone gets to Bakura, all of that ongoing development just like gets put on hold to deal strictly with the Bakura stuff. And then it will get picked up again later when we meet the cast again after Bakura and people won't really mention Bakura again. And I recognize that that's mostly just a result of the way that the legends books were being written in the beginning as one-offs that weren't always supposed to connect that much. Uh, but it still felt a little bit like we went into the pocket dimension of Bakura and then left it and never spoke of it again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, overall fun book. I would read it again someday. Dinosaurs are strange. 
the the way you said it, you made it sound like the Legends books are the anime filler episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Will we ever see you again, protagonist? No, this is just a filler episode. <laughs> I mean, I think originally that was the intention, was that they were just like, you go into like a gas station or a bookstore and there's just like a little shelf or a little like spinny thing with paperbacks on it. You pick one up, you read it, you don't have to know anything about Star Wars other than who the main characters generally are. And then you move on. And then later, it was sort of like, oh, well, people are actually reading all of these <laughs> So maybe we could connect them and have them affect each other. Whoa. This is Chris. I'm also on this podcast. Um, I am going to now talk about exactly why everyone hates me, which is because I have opinions about why things suck. Um, this <laughs> book, um, if it can be called that, um, is exactly what I find to be most typically weak about fan writing in general, which is that it essentially ignores character development, like David was saying for plot and for plot that often is contrived and attempts to set up higher stakes than are reasonable. Most effective stakes work on either escalation or deepening. Like you have increasingly more personal stakes or you have increasingly larger stakes. The problem with increasingly larger stakes is there becomes a point when they become unrelatable. This book walks like both of those lines and it starts off with like, all right, let's think about the characters and how they feel. And like, maybe, you know, set up some thoughts about what that should do. And then let's immediately ignore it because the galaxy is in danger. Not them, not the ship, not their, like even their short-term goals, but the galaxy, everything. And not only the galaxy, but like fundamentally life as we know it, which is something that is so completely, over the top as to be ineffective as a motivator. Um, my issue with this book is structural. I think that the problem with it is that it is plot focused and it never really opens up to allow its characters to make any kind of meaningful progression in the story. And as David was saying, that's probably tied to the way they were had to write the books at the time. But you can, you can have a one-off with a satisfying arc. I mean, I'm still waiting on my life-changing trip with Zuko. So, like, you can have one episode that takes you from point A to point B that you never talk about again that still has meaningful impact. Um, this book didn't do that. Um, it introduced characters specifically to, like, drive momentary drama that then fades away and therefore is unsatisfying in the conclusion. Um, and so I think that the this entire book is an adequate entry into the Star Wars canon, but nothing more than that. It does capture the characters, like the the general feel of Luke, the general feel of Leia and Han and Chewbacca. It does do some interesting things, like with Chewbacca being a little bit British. Those are all fun and interesting kinds of takes on things. But that's where it stops being a Star Wars book and starts being a book with Star Wars characters in it. All right. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you have a contrary opinion about this book, because honestly, I want to hear all of the options. And I think that you've got... Uh, good reasons for what you said. So uh, I'm interested to talk more about that once we've heard everybody's thoughts. Okay. So, um, hi, I'm Jason, and I had a really witty intro about how I forgot which chapters we're supposed to read, but that's already been ruined because we talked about <laughs> oh, this is the last sorry. episode. And, yeah, okay. You could have still, you could have still okay. gone it's with okay. it and just made it twice um, as No. Well, I, I guess we kind of already did, so. Poor Jason. Um, but yeah, it is what it, whatever. 
So anyway, um, my take on the book, uh, I don't really come at it with any really serious knowledge on like you know how literature should work or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not as smart as Chris, um, but no. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I as as stated in the, our intros and everything, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, I can take or leave some of it. Um, this is one of the ones that I could more or less leave and not really worry about uh, what happened in this book. Um, you know, it's it's it was interesting from a perspective of seeing uh, one of the first entries into Legends canon, both um, both. Uh, timeline wise and um like real life you know writing wise i mean when it was when it was published versus where it was in the the timelines of the star wars story uh like i said i think there's some stuff that uh, the they were trying to find their legs in terms of which you know how the characters should be throughout the whole of the series um, or, you know, and all of the, the other books to come. Um, I, I'm kind of blanking on how to really describe it in my, you know, sense any more than that. It's just, uh, this is kind of the baby steps into where, where, you know, a lot of my favorite canon came from. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would rate this as kind of a, a middle of the road kind of book had some issues and other, otherwise it wasn't the right read very um, fair and i think that's about all i can really say right now because <laughs> before i start rambling all right so i for the most part agree with chris on this um one of my issues with this book is that the characters, the supporting characters that were introduced to um, end up being written out, essentially, um, within the, the possibility of a larger canon. Like, this book felt very uh, short-sighted in terms of what it could have done, um, which... It's okay to have a standalone novel and wrap up the plot really nicely and such, but I don't feel like it did that so much as it just backtracked on pretty much every single point of character development and relationship development and such that could have occurred, that could have had a long-term effect and such on uh, the wider canon, uh, which is kind of disappointing to me. On the other hand... I think that in terms of the um, golden trio, uh, Luke, Leia, and Han, it did set up some interesting uh, aspects of how the characters would get written in the future, um, as well as setting up Luke for um, his crippling self-doubt, which I do appreciate. So I would say it's about four out of ten for me um that said uh governor nereus has a solid eight out of ten for big top energy <laughs> my turn 
Yay! Okay. So, I guess I'm the only one who's going to be positive about this book. Um, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it being a one-off is part of why I liked it. Because I feel like with how overwhelmingly large the selection of literature is from the Star Wars universe, the legends, the new canon, whatever... Um, it's all very intimidating for me to have to try and keep track of all these different books and how they connect to the movies and the series and uh, each other. So I definitely feel like this was definitely a good first book to get my feet wet before jumping into some of the other stuff that's more heavily interconnected with the rest of the Star Wars universe. And I, I know I made jokes about, you know, anime filler episode characters <laughs> that we never see again. But honestly, what some of my favorite moments in animes are the big final battle scenes and everyone's like, oh no, we need our friends and we can't, there's no way we can win. And suddenly all the filler characters from all the one-offs show up and they're like cavalry's here we're you know <laughs> did you forget about us you're uh, gonna love new jedi order then oh boy does <laughs> gary absolutely adore it does gary will come back from the no. dead with a blaster <laughs> i i'm not gonna spoil anything but this is is <laughs> not the last time gary will be at least mentioned see i want to see gary fight is the thing she like, tried to fight in the book. Yeah, <laughs> she just but they cut up. that out of the audiobook, David. <laughs> That's true. I, I I need more badass warrior women. In, oh, don't in, don't worry, you'll get in, those in my media. Good. There's plenty of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I I I I feel more positive than negatives on this book. I. I think I'm going to feel that way just because, you know, it was my first Legends book. So, Which, by the way, congratulations on reading your first Legends book. Thank you. Woo! Don't worry. Uh, one day we'll do I'll, we'll do our one shot for Death Troopers, and um, <laughs> then and then we can really get into okay, was this just the feeling I had because it was my first Legends book, or are they all like this? Yeah. So. Um, if, if, if I were to give this book a rating, I'd, I'd rate it two scratches on the Falcon when you promised none. Mm. <laughs> mm. Liable like to make Han yell at you and Chewie cry. <laughs> Slightly disappointing, but we all knew it was coming. <laughs> Well, thank you all. Uh, I want to say, first of all, that I really appreciate you all joining me through the book and, and getting through the whole thing with me. Uh, I know this was not the probably the Star Wars book most people out there would choose to start a podcast on. <laughs> but uh, I think we had a fun time doing it. And uh, the amount of laughing that I have to like edit past when we just crack up and can't record for like 30 seconds <laughs> seems Especially... to indicate you all had a good time, too. 
Especially me. <laughs> That's fair. Also, why would you edit that out? Yeah, all the times that we broke. Oh, no, it's like, it's not just the, like, cracking up. It's when, like, we crack up so hard that we have to, like, pause for, like, an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> I would also like to note that I finally listened to the episode that I was absent for. And, um, yes, I do support getting shirts with my face on it. <laughs> it says Schrodinger's. <laughs> Schrodinger's cat. Yes. <laughs> I do support this. <laughs> if we ever get a merch store, that'll be the first object on it. <laughs> it, it says, no, it, it's it's a combo where it, the t-shirt has Cat's face on the front and then there's booty shorts that says Schrodinger's on the butt. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 the booty shorts have to say hashtag best girl. now the real question is which one of us has to model the booty shirts i i actually genetically have no butt that's my dad's fault so i can't do it can one which one of us will have to what model the booty shorts i volunteer as tribute (laughs) i need need me a good pair of booty shorts there we go Okay, well that's solved now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A problem we never knew we had. <laughs> um, but Jay, I thought you made an interesting point about um, the kind of disconnectedness of Trusit Bakura being a positive. Um, and I, I, I think, especially having been a Star Wars fan for as long as I have been, I've gotten to the point where every time I watch something with Star Wars in it, I'm looking for connections to other Star Wars things because that's just how my brain works. I'm like, oh, is this character in it? Or someone drops a name and I'm like, oh, okay, that was a cool reference. But I can understand why that would be alienating to a new fan uh, if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get half of the jokes because they're wink, wink, nudge, nudge to people who've been reading these books for decades. So it is kind of nice that Truce didn't do that because, I mean, there was only one book series to reference anyway. And it happens after this one. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I on, on that subject of like one-offs not having much character or story development, that is like infinitely better. What I find really annoying is when there's like a non-canon part of something, whether it's like an anime movie or a filler arc or something where it's not canon, but there's a lot of like significant character development slash story development where I'm like, okay, how does this make it not canon if they had this big character revelation? Right. Like, and then they immediately retcon like, it. And whatever because they can out. have their cake and eat it too that way. Well, here, here's like the, the one of the more recent examples that I can think of um, is spoilers for seven deadly sins. No in anime. No, I forbid it. Seven Chris, Deadly Seven Deadly Sins are great, and I am not through with the show yet. Chris, Oof. Chris, Chris, deafen yourself. Okay, I'm gonna deafen myself, or at least and just don't listen. Don't just just oh. don't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, watch I'm, your show before it's edited and released. <laughs> Give me just a second. I'm gonna watch all of it right now. <laughs> okay. Um, should I should I try to find a different example then? No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm fine. Spoilers don't bother me mostly. I just okay. I really would like to get back to Seven Deadly Sins and I haven't done it yet. So okay, I'll, then I that won't use like any. Then I problem. won't. I won't use any character names then. 
Um, so in, in, in the show, Seven Deadly Sins, the main plot is that there's a war going on against the evil demon clan. And pretty much everyone who isn't a demon, and even a lot of the demons, can agree that demons are just pure evil. And so it's really interesting that one of the main characters is actually secretly a member of the demon clan and they haven't told anyone because they're, you know, <laughs> obviously trying to keep a secret because everyone would automatically think that they're like a spy for the demon clan. And so in the seven deadly sins movie, it's revealed to every major character that this character is a member of the demon clan and they just kind of are like, oh, that's chill. That person is still a cool guy. And it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure this movie isn't canon. How the how the hell are they gonna like uh reconcile that? That's that's the closest one I can think of. So at least Truset Bakura did not do that. That's true. You made me think of the Pokemon movie where they decide that fighting is bad and then forget about it because of memory stuff at the end of the movie. Yeah, that, right that's fighting. another that's another example. Pretty much every single Naruto movie is another yes. example. <laughs> yes. No, the Naruto movies are even worse because the Naruto movies introduce concepts that would destroy the rest of the world if they were true and then are treated as though they are true but only off screen. Yeah. I See, um... Steven Universe actually handles its non-canon stuff very well, specifically the games, because all the games are considered canon because they're actual things that actually happen in the world. And, huh. and they follow the same logic as the TV show's canon. However, however, you don't need to play the video games if you don't want to in order to get a full picture of the story. So that's so that's one offs done well. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That um, DC Universe is a stellar example of the issues involved uh -huh. with trying to make everything connected and also <laughs> yes. trying to run multiple um, canon versus non-canon things. Um. Batman Joker. <laughs> Batman Joker is the best. Of both Batman and Joker, I don't understand why you would be mad at DC. For that. Um, the three Jokers. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Harley Quinn's um, possible child um, and, that and possible death multiple times. <laughs> and possible death multiple times. For example, um, lots of people think that Harley Quinn only had a child in um, um the Injustice universe, but if you watch Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, um, mm -hmm. she actually has twin grandchildren. So she definitely had a child sometime. Um, <laughs> it's just never actually universe. explained. And they have retconned so many things. They've literally blown up the universes multiple times <laughs> just yeah. because they're like, this is too much to keep track of now. They have a pirate universe. They have a Batman, Superman in the Caribbean universe that exists. I mean, yes. it makes sense that comic book continuities continually get out of hand when they're running who knows how many monthly books that change storylines every so yeah. often. And you have, I don't know how many writers and editors and artists involved in changing the storyline. At least uh, 
nowadays, Lucasfilm tends to have a couple of book releases a year. It's got some comic book stuff, but it's all underneath the umbrella of the story group. So every plot decision is getting at least glanced at by some people trying to make sure it all stays uh, in place. But that was not true in Legends. Legends had an incredibly complicated scheme where it was like the movies are the top level of canon and then there's like the books and then there's comic books and then and there's then other games. kinds of books and yeah, video, video games. games. Yeah. And it all just became confusing. And so you, and the, the best part was, all you had to work off of was George Lucas telling you yes or no, and who you could and could not kill. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other thing that I think Kathy Tyres had to deal with, is that basically, she knew that um, the Thrawn trilogy, which takes place a couple of years after this, happened, as far as Star Wars is concerned. She knew the movies happened, and she knew that nothing she did in Truce at Bakura could change the characters substantially, to any in any way before the Thrawn trilogy happens because they're basically where they end up in this book and where they start in this book at the beginning of the Thrawn trilogy. See, There's a little the bit only difference being Luke's crushing self-doubt about his abilities as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Which I think she did a good job of actually introducing the seeds of given that she knew it was coming. So the main thing that I take away from this conversation is that no matter how crazy DC's continuity gets, they can't mess up the continuity of your favorite character if they never make any more content of your favorite character. Yeah. Who's your favorite yes. character, Jay? Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. I'm pretty sure that they've been working on making new content for her, though. What? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, they make new stuff for everybody. It's really? true. Except but... for whatever the Stephanie, the, the bat. Stephanie bat Brown. Yeah, my Stephanie baby. Brown. Um, No, no. Stephanie Brown has also shown up in the new 52. Thank you very much. She is currently oh, still spoiler. Um, and I love her. She's my favorite. Um, I'm actually very glad to hear that because I thought she was just buried by editorial mandate. No, no, she does exist again uh, alongside Harper Rowe and Cassie Kane. There is no character is that exists. Cassie Kane better than she was the last time I saw Cassie Kane? Uh, when was the last time you saw Cassie Kane? When Cassie Kane was uh, the reason that there's controversy around Cassie Kane. <laughs> mm, there's there different controversy now. Okay. The last time I no was aware character. of her was when she went from like hero to villain with an incredibly weird switch just for the sake of shock value. Yeah, I mean, well, Jason Todd. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Jason Todd turned into one of the best DC villains ever, so I'll forgive it. That being anti-hero, said, anti-hero, thank you very much. I was just going to say, yeah. That, that being said, jump the ship here. I have two <laughs> comments. I have two comments and a question. First comment is any extended universe character can never be buried by an editor long enough. They will always come back out at some point, which is also true in Star Wars. That's how that ties in. My question that I actually have for all of you is this might be a little bit of like a food review mouthfeel <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, I need to think. I, that, that I need, really yeah, I need a second for that one to process. <laughs> you should feel... You should oh boy, feel uncomfortable by this question. Um, no, but how did you actually feel about reading the book or listening to it? Because I found that the actual prose was a little bit hard 
to digest at times and was a little bit um, it took me out of the general story every now and again because I didn't feel like it was actually terribly well written. I think that her writing style is a lot more um, straightforward and such than what I tend towards preferring in my mm -hmm. literature. But I'm also the person who um, has read the entire like Anne of Green Gables series and also War and Peace and also The Three Musketeers. So like very prose heavy books. And this is not a prose heavy book it's okay it's just not necessarily my favorite style of writing okay so i had like a completely different experience from you guys because the audiobook is so heavily abridged and so much has changed like i think the reason why i felt like i wasn't keeping up and understanding with the book was because at, at the beginning was because we didn't realize that the audiobooks were abridged and <laughs> you guys were just talking. I'm like, was I just not paying attention? And I had to re I, and I re-listened to through those books, like through those first chapters so many times. And eventually we eventually found out that, Oh yeah, they're abridged. And then after that, it was a whole lot easier to just kind of sit back and actually you know, enjoy it instead of stressing about why am I not knowing about the things that everyone else is knowing about. Um, so it, it's a bit of a... <laughs> I'm literally the person who showed up for the history test when everyone else studied for the science test. <laughs> well, I have a question actually for you. What's the production value like on the audio recording? Like... Do they have music and cast? They have they have music. Reader? If I remember correctly, they have music. They have sound effects. Um, poorly edited in sound effects, but still sound <laughs> effects. Um, they have one voice actor who has a very good range. Did I ever do my impression of his really weird French blue scale Jack's, Jack Clouseau? I think we were saving yes. it, but I don't yeah. know that we ever actually did it. Okay, um, so his, his, uh, I'm trying to think of one of his lines, like something about Dev, uh, something, something, you hate us, I don't know. Um, someone, <laughs> someone give me a line that Blue Scale would say, or maybe not, if you want to see him say Dev, something out of Dev, you character. need to be renewed. Dev, you need to be it was it's almost like this weird mix of like Gollum and Jack Clouseau. <laughs> See, I, I asked that about the recording because I've been listening to the audiobooks that came out more recently. Um, specifically, I've been listening to Mastered Apprentice by Claudia Gray, which is about Qui Gon and Obi Wan uh, prior to the Phantom Menace. And I remember Star Wars has always had a pretty high quality of audiobook because I remember I used to check out the Back to War audiobook from the library and i listened to it so much that i destroyed the tape from listening to it so much as a child yeah they've always had pretty good productions though that's a fair point and they 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 always invested more in their audiobooks than i felt like they had to and i appreciated that because more often than not they either had a full cast or they had um, a very talented actor reading it 
and they went out of their way to edit in sound effects and music when they did not need to do that. Well, and also for video games specifically, they those stories do the best when you can have that interaction because they thrive off of those themes and you can't really have those in a movie. So now that we're done with Truce at Bakura, uh, like we've said a couple times, the next book is going to be the first book of the Mandalorian, or excuse me, the first book of the Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy, uh, the Mandalorian armor. So we'll do those three books. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Great if you like the criminal smuggler bounty hunter side of Star Wars. Um, I haven't read them in a long time, but I remember a lot of good things about them. And uh, we'll move into there. And from there, uh, we'll have some interesting <laughs> choices to make as a podcast as to how we want to handle um, the kids' books or the the young adult children's fiction. They're much shorter books. Um and we do have a block of six of them right after the Bounty Hunter Wars in the Jedi Prince Septology. And uh, we'll have to figure out what we want to do about those. But the first one is the only one I've actually read in the past. And it is very strange. <laughs> so we'll buckle in. We'll get some cool Bounty Hunter adventures. And then we've got back into the weirdest parts of Star Wars almost immediately after that. So that's that's where we're going next. Um, we'll be doing that starting next week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed Truce at Bakura and, and riding along with us. And I hope that you continue to enjoy as we shift gears to focus on the story of why Boba Fett isn't dead. <laughs> it's not because of Mandalorian armor. It's because of plot armor. Hey, oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually because of Dengar, but yes, that too. Dengar is plot armor. <laughs> Dengar, Dengar is the one character that should have had a lot more plot armor before the book started, considering his defigured, um, his scarring, and all the damage he took. Oh, but I love Dengar, and we'll see as we get into these books that everybody should really love Dengar. Dengar is adorable. <laughs> Dengar is the all teddy right, bear well, of the bounty hunter universe. He's so great. So we're going to dive into that next week. Uh, for now, though, this has been Truce at Bakura. We're so glad that you joined us on this adventure. Uh, I'm David. You can find me on Twitter at aka Agent Shades, uh, and you can find our podcast at Legends and Our Cast. Uh, and that's me. And this is Chris, and I am still waiting on my life-changing tra- field trip with Zuko. Uh, and I am Jason, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at GhostShark20, and that's about it right now. And I'm Kat. You can find me on Twitter at SeagullSoup. I currently have Zuko locked in a closet.